come on down to Narangong Where narrow-minded folk belong Bring the kids, it's a bloody good place to be There's a bakery and a primary school A decent pub and a public pool There's a roundabout and a bloody good petting zoo to boot So come on down and grab a beer You can stay if you're from here And if you're not, you best be moving along From Narangong You can't Oh, great song, Earl. Glad to see you've got yourself under control these days. G'day, cunts. As you've been aware, we've been chronicling the history of Narangong. The faces, places, people and things that make this town so bloody interesting. But one of the goals of the Oral History Project is to bring you a contemporary take on the town as well. To that end, we've got a special treat for you today. We're joined in the Narangong Public Library by Narangong's own Poet Laureate, Cliff Shanky. How's it going, Cliff? G'day, mate. Great to be here. I've been doing really well, actually. Is that right? Yeah, been down the coast recently for the Poetry Festival. Went down to the sea to see what I could see, so to speak. Oh, that was a poem. Oh, so it was. I'm a poet, and I didn't even know that I was a poet. Bloody good. You even got old Earl going with that one. By the way, Earl, the cops were around last week asking after you. No, they didn't say what it was about. Just said they wanted to ask you a couple of questions. Anyway, Cliff, we heard about you a lot last week, Mm. how you came to be a poet. Uh, We're glad to have you here today to talk a bit more about your poetry. Yeah, mate, happy to be here. I've always tried to give back to the community with my poetry, not only by writing about Narangong, but also by writing for Narangong, in a sense. Yeah. Sharing my poems in the beta and doing the open mic nights at Ruth's. It's a real pleasure to be here now and have the chance to share the poems like this. Yeah, too right. We heard last time about Rose and how she became your muse. Does she continue to inspire you? No, yeah, she does. She definitely does. She makes me brekkie in the morning and brings me beer out while I bang around on the typewriter. She's a real boon to the creative process. Amazing. Maybe you could lead us off with a poem about Rose then. One of your more recent works is Roses Are, Rose Is. Do you mind reading that for us? Yeah, of course. Here we go. My true love's name is like a rose in part because her name is Rose. Also, each letter is a petal, like a rose composed of petals, with soft white skin and flowing hair that shines like just conditioned hair, and lips of red like a red rose. These are the features of my love, Rose. Wow, bloody beautiful. Yeah. So obviously that was motivated by Rose. It's also a really classic example of traditional rhyming structure. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, no. Rhyme is when one word sounds exactly like another word. Think of a word and another word. You just rhymed word with word. See that? That's traditional rhyming. Word and word. That's the bread and butter of the poet. It's where I got my start, but of course I've branched out since then. You're talking about near rhyme. Yeah, no, near rhyme. That's what I've become known for, of course. Yeah. That's, it's when you use a word that sounds like another word, but is not actually the same word. Can, can you give us an example, mate? No, yeah. Think of a word, have you heard? You just near rhymed word with heard. Wow. Listen to that. If you take the time, you can learn to rhyme. Keep on trying and you'll be just fine. What? No, that doesn't work at all, mate. You were doing well there at the start. 
Time and Rhyme is an excellent near-rhyming couplet. But you got to finish strong, and instead you just jammed in fine. Oh. That's an M sound when you were working with an M sound at first. Oh, shit. Sorry, mate. Best left to the professionals, I guess. But I know that you previously have experimented with even non-rhyming poetry. Isn't that right? Yeah, no, I have done a bit, a bit of the non-rhyming stuff. It's much more experimental. But I dabble here and there. In fact, you know, my earliest poetry prize was for a haiku. Boots, right? Yeah, Boots. Won the prize down the Royal Show for that one. Yeah, it's a top work. We heard about it last time. Have you done any more haikus? Listen, I'm a bit beyond haikus now. They're mostly for kids and Asians. Yeah. But I have done some other non-rhyming works. Yeah, do you mind sharing one with us? Oh, of course. I've got a good one for you. It's an expression of mathematics through poetry. I read somewhere that a lot of these old blokes who did poetry were polymaths, which meant that they could write poetry and plays and draw, but were also really good at maths. And not just maths, lots of types of maths. Now, you could fill a book with what I don't know about algebra, but I figure I can count well enough to write a bloody poem, even if it doesn't rhyme. This one's called Can't You Count You Can't. Yeah, alright. One night, I saw two eyes from the darkness and took three breaths. I waited to see if the eyes had four legs. Perhaps was some gruesome creature from the fifth dimension, or maybe just Nan out well past her six o'clock bedtime. Turned out it was seven rabbits that were all in various stages of blinking, and their many eyes shined white when the dog barked, and then he ate them. Wow, bloody good stuff there. I really like the way the counting builds up tension toward the end. Yeah. Mm. Sort of leads the reader along toward the exciting resolution, yeah? Oh yeah, I like the idea of exploring mathematical principles, but of course it's also in the romantic tradition. It explores the beautiful savagery and mystery of nature. I'm looking out into the darkness, into nature, and trying to identify human concepts in it, trying to see a part of myself, something I recognise there. But uh, nature's looking back, and I can't tell if it's cowering and timorous, or if it's full of teeth and claws. Yeah, and and in the end, they're both out there, aren't they? Mm. Nature and humanity. The rabbits are out there in nature, but they end up getting eaten by the dog, a domesticated animal. Yeah, true enough, yeah. That's one of the themes in my work, actually. I like that interplay between nature and domesticity. The family dogs featured in a few poems, actually. Yeah, I was actually just going to ask you to read another one to us. Try a Cat is a great earlier poem of yours. Yeah, you like that one. It didn't appear in collected works from the cliffside, which is your most well-known anthology, but it has been in a couple of regional collections. Yeah, it's a classic example of traditional rhyming. And a great little personal history wrapped up in 12 lines. I I just love it. Here we go then. Try a cat. Once I had a pet rock. It rocked. When I lost it, I tried a pet stick. But it didn't stick. So mum bought me a pet handle. It was the shedding she couldn't handle. Next we tried a pet sign. What happened to it was probably a sign. Finally we got a pet lemon. But we returned it because it was a lemon. Mum gave in and got me a dog, and he died. Bloody hell, mate. It gets me every time. Yeah, the animals will get you. Here's another good one about animals. Uh, This one explores man's relationship with nature, as experienced by nature. It's called hair. Stutter, step, stop, stand still, swift hair. Something on the autumn wind makes his nose twitch, and his ears turn, and his hair stands on end.
Cautious creep, keep quiet, but quickly out there. Boots thud, creaking buttons, clouds of breath and the smell of powder in their hunting guns. Fast now, fly fair over fallen boughs until you're far gone. Breaths drawn, guns shouldered, eyes narrowed over sights and crack! The gun's gone off and his hair stands on end. Fucking hell. As you might realise, nature's experience of man often includes being shot at. I tried to capture that experience in this poem, mainly in the part where the man shoots at the rabbit. Yeah, that bit. I also tried to leave the ending ambiguous. That's a good technique for poets to develop. Rather than the straightforward descriptive poem where you're telling the reader what happened, hmm. ambiguity lets him wonder and explore this uncertainty. Yeah. Even a small and obvious mystery creates a relationship between you as you're writing the poem and the reader as he experiences it. It draws the reader deeper into your poetry and makes him question what he's reading. Yeah, oh, for sure. So here, the reader's forced to ask, what happened to the rabbit? The gun's gone off, but did he survive, you know? And it's like, of course not, you fucking galah. A rabbit can't outrun a gun. What are you? Yeah, too right. Let's keep exploring these same themes of nature. Sure. Well, here are some thoughts I had the other day when I was hanging around the fruit trees. It's not so much a poem as a poetic musing, but I reckon I mused the shit out of this one. It's called Bees. To be or not to be. I bet one person who never said that is a beekeeper. Because every day, bees. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. No rhymes there, though. Well, listen, mate, you can get a bit bloody old using the same words again and again, is all I'm saying. Sometimes you just want to branch out and use different words. Yeah, fair enough, mate. I mean, I use a lot of the same bloody words, you know. Yeah, well, that, is that not good on. enough? Yeah. I'll give it just, a crack at the experimental stuff, and you bastards treat me like I'm Electric right. Dylan. Calm, Fucking calm down, mate. Here, I'll give you a bloody rhyming one, all right? This one's a really traditional one called Origins. Should make you happy. As a child, I played in the hay. Until one day I said, now hey, that's a word that rhymes with hey. Later, I became a poet. Uh, okay, so there we go. That's a pretty good one there. Well, yeah, you say that now. So why don't you give us another one then? Fine. Fine. This one I wrote for my dad. He likes his bloody telly, I can tell you. It's called Stand. Last year, Dad bought a colour TV set, a wooden stand and a matching set of end tables for the couch. They're a handy place where he likes to set his can of beer when he's upset and needs both hands to wave at the ump. He's got his remote with channels preset for footy, cricket or tennis, game set and match on Saturday afternoon. Brilliant, mate. Old man Shanky loves that one, I bet. Yeah. Actually, he's a big fan of a new series I've been working on. Oh, yeah? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a series of limericks capturing the spirit of Australia. And, of course, Dad's a cosmopolitan man himself, so he really likes them. Oh, lovely. Um, do you mind reading them for us? Yeah, no, no worries, mate. This first one's called Why I Don't Visit Melbourne. It's about Melbourne. There was a young lady from Melbourne. We met at a dance out in Melbourne. Things got rather sticky when we had a quickie. Now I've got a young daughter in Melbourne. Aw, oh, bit cheeky there. Yeah, the near rhyme is a bit deviant, but I think it works in the context of a limerick. 
Um, uh, all right. This next one's about Hobart. It's called Brobart. I had a good mate from Hobart who had left his lover in Hobart. He said he missed her and that she was his sister. What the fuck are they up to in Hobart? Oh, very saucy. Yeah, you know, Hobart. We got one for Perth too. Here we go. I once met a fellow from Perth. He'd come to Australia to see Perth. He'd flown from the UK, first class on BA. That's a bloody long way to see Perth. Yeah? It's a bit confusing, isn't it? How's that? Because he comes from Perth, right? But he's going to Perth too? Yeah, no, that's sort of the point, right? Because he's coming from Scotland to Australia. Perth, Perth. It's in the bloody title. I guess there's that. Well, let's continue. This one's called New South Women. I once met a sailor in Sydney. He was kissing a Sheila in Sydney. She looked great in a dress, but her face was a mess and blowed if her name wasn't Bruce. Eh, seems a funny name for a Sheila. Uh, best, uh, best not to ask questions then, mate. Some of us have been exposed to the mind-expanding pleasures of interstate travel and some of us haven't, I guess. Yeah, alright. Anyway, this one's a bit of political commentary on the sorry state of the immigration system in Australia. It's called Darwin. There was a poor bugger in Darwin who'd left Indonesia for Darwin. He was only in socks when he washed up on the rocks, but that counts as well dressed up in Darwin. Well, I can't say I agree with your outrageous views on immigration policy, Cliff, but I agree that those cunts in Darwin don't know how to dress. What else you got for us, mate? Mm. Yeah, how about a bit of Brisbane? In keeping with the theme, this explores the local vernacular, sort of representing travel through the very choice of words itself. It's called Brisbane. I was on holiday in Brisbane and needed a doctor in Brisbane. It was just a small cut. I was proper fucked, but you know there's no doctors in Brisbane. Oh, bloody brilliant, mate. You've definitely captured the spirit of Queensland in that one. Yeah, I think so too. Just one more then. We've gone around the country and now we're bringing it back home here with Adelaide is okay. I once read a guidebook for Adelaide listing things to do in Adelaide. Page one was the market. Page two just said fuck it. There's not much to do in Adelaide. Fuck in Adelaide, mate. Think they're so bloody fancy with their trams. A tram's just a bloody slow train, if you ask me. Yeah, I didn't, mate, but uh, that's the lot of the local limericks. I feel like I've been there, mate. That was a real treat. Well, look, we're running out of time today, but I was hoping you could close on a touching note. We started today discussing Rose, your muse. She's actually here in the studio, sitting just over there. Hi, Rose. Actually, it's pronounced Roseanne. Just fine, love. Thanks for asking. This last poem is a new one, but it might just be my favourite. Could you tell us about dress? Yeah, I love animals and travelling and all that shit, but I also love women. You know, I'm no romantic, but sometimes a bird takes off her dress and I can't help but think, bloody hell, I bet you could go a good route. I've tried to capture the complex eroticism of that moment in this poem, but with rhymes. So here goes, dress. My love in a dappled yellow dress. Lips of honey, skin of silk, and thighs strong but supple to my touch. My love tells me to undress, and the quiver in her voice betrays the practiced act of cool sophistication. The folds of her crumpled yellow dress are soft curves and ripples and hidden valleys on our bed.
Wow, you can really feel the eroticism. It's palpable. Oh yeah, you can palp it. Well, Cliff, that's all we have time for today, but I want to thank you for coming in. Yeah, no worries, mate. And and thanks, Rose. It's really pretty easy to say. Lovely. Mum always used to say the same thing. Anyway, what a ripping discussion of poetic technique. We'll hope you'll join us next time for another instalment of Welcome to Narangong. Until then, take it easy.